Hey, it's DG, and I want to send you a ton of free marketing stuff right to your door or your inbox, whatever you want. I'm serious because, look, we know how it is. One of my favorite things about doing marketing at Drift is that we are all marketers just like you. So we're marketers doing marketing to marketers. It's crazy. And one thing we know that in the B2B world, there's so much content out there. It can be hard to figure out what to read and who to trust if you're looking to grow your business. And so we put together something that I call the ultimate conversational marketing starter kit. We asked our top customers, literally turned to them and said, what resources would you give to somebody new to Drift and conversational marketing, and we're packaging all that up to send right to your door for the first time for free. So that means I will send you a copy of the book I wrote with my boss, our CEO, David Cancel, on conversational marketing. This book was an instant number one new release on Amazon in three categories, and it's already sold 10,000 plus copies to date. I'll literally send you the actual 262-page hardcover book right to your door. Also, we'll send you This Won't Scale, a digital copy of our very popular book, This Won't Scale, which is a book we wrote as a marketing team about how we do marketing at Drift. It's 110 pages. It's only been available as a hard copy, but we're making it available digitally for the first time as part of this offer. We'll also send you the Modern Marketers Playbook. You'll get a digital copy of our Modern Marketers Playbook, which is a guide we wrote with strategic insights from 35 of today's most influential marketing leaders from companies like Slack, LinkedIn, Okta, Vimeo, and more. We'll also give you the Conversational Marketing Blueprint, which is the best next step after you read the Conversational Marketing book. And it gives you a step-by-step guide for implementing and optimizing conversational marketing for your business and... It's not over. The conversational sales handbook. This is the guide you're going to need to give to your sales team to build your conversational sales strategy, aka what you do after you take everything you've learned in the book and the blueprint. All you have to do is visit drift.com slash starter and grab all this stuff right now. That's starter, S-T-A-R-T-E-R. I tried to have no Boston accent on that. Drift.com slash starter. We'll send everything right to your door or we'll literally uh, just send an email if you prefer that, okay? Drift.com slash starter, and I will see you hopefully there. So we were just talking about something interesting, which is your background is you're a demand gen marketer. Give me, go, go back in history a little bit, because you, you have an interesting story from, from Eloqua to Lattice to what you're doing today. What was, how did you get into demand gen and what was, I want to talk, I want to unpack like what demand gen was and then what it's oh, yeah, transformed yeah. into. Yeah, actually it's so funny you say that because I was, I just had this long conversation. I actually just did away with like the concept of demand gen on my team and I have this whole theory on like what demand gen is now. Yeah. But anyway. Which we're also going to talk about. Okay. Okay. So um, I actually bought a marketing automation platform back in like 2000 and I don't know, six or something like that. How much was that? Oh gosh, geez. Dave. It wasn't right cheap. Right off with the hard it questions. It wasn't cheap. No, it wasn't it cheap. It couldn't have been cheap. For, for, for even at that time, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, marketers weren't buying tons of technology at the time. So that's, like. That's why, that's the only reason why I asked how much it was. Because I bet that feels like it had to have been the most expensive thing anybody had ever bought. Oh, for sure. Okay. And it was also like, marketers weren't good at like making those business cases or like, and CEOs didn't know how to, like, why should I justify this thing over this thing? So, you know, it was this typical case of we were using like a batch and blast email tool and like loading up lists from Salesforce and doing that whole thing. And I had a really smart guy who worked for me who was really young and he was like, I think we need to do this marketing automation thing. It's going to be a big deal. We should do it. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." And, and then I started to look into it and I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, it's kind of this one thing that we can own. We can have control over it. We can own our own data. Like, we can do all this cool stuff. 
So I ended up, we ended up in this head-to-head -head deal with what was then Silverpop, which became VTrends, and Eloqua. Uh, and we ended up buying Silverpop. Um, and so, and I got to be part of this, you know, process where we built kind of the demand gen process and implemented the funnel and did all that stuff. And that, so that was my sort of first foray into that. Right. So fast forward, this was, it had to have been like 2008 because the, like the economy just tanked and suddenly I find myself out of work and uh, I got an interview at Eloqua. And like all they wanted to talk about was why did you buy Eloqua? And I was <laughs> did like, they remember you? Oh yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I was uniquely positioned to like explain everything that went wrong in their sales process. Which is like probably and made you an amazing hire because they can tell on the other side. It was. It was. I. I actually had all this intel. Like I had the business case we had built, and I had all these side by side comparisons of both platforms. And so it, that's I. I think what got me my job at Eloqua. And you know I think that was really when demand gen was starting to form into a real discipline and become a career path for people. Yeah. I, I do credit the marketing automation ecosystem for kind of giving birth to that. I think that's where that all started. Well, I think I think if you rewind, because my guess is, I wasn't there, obviously, but 2006, like it's harder for you to make the case, what? <laughs> well, you were in second grade? Where, no, where were come you? Where on. were you? <laughs> I, 2006, I wasn't I was, there. No, no, I mean, I wasn't in your company. <laughs> right. I wasn't in your company. Uh, I was like, oh, I feel so old. <laughs> no, 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 2006. Freshman in college, a sophomore okay, in college. Okay, all right, yeah. all right, you're yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. and it, just, just doing a bunch of nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Oh, please, I don't believe that for a minute. <clears throat> no, not, nothing that has helped me today at all, <laughs> I can tell you that. No, but because I'm sure it was hard to go and make this big expense because marketing wasn't, it wasn't easy to attribute marketing to, to revenue. Well, marketers didn't know how to prove much of anything, I think, back in those days. I mean, like, we weren't really asked to. When I mean, in, 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 at the beginning of my career, when I first got into marketing, like, I don't ever really remember being pushed for metrics, let alone like tie myself to revenue. That wasn't a thing. And the tools didn't exist really to do it. What were you pushed for then? Activity, showing that I was doing stuff. Like I, 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 you know, I worked for a lot of CEOs who I think like to justify that marketing was, should exist, they needed to show that they were just like doing a lot of stuff. Like that's literally what it was. We're at a lot of events, we're printing out a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was a, a little bit of that to be honest with you. And it wasn't really until I got to Eloqua that it was like, oh, this is hardcore. I mean Eloqua had, they were trying to lead the market and have a philosophy about how this should be done. So marketing had a number and it was an opportunity number. We carried an SQO number. We were all bonused on it. Our comp plans were tied to it. Um, Alec was sent a marketer at a president's club every year. Like it was a real thing. So did that feel like a big culture shift for you? Like, oh, I'm among, I'm among all these people like me. Well, now. then it was, it was actually a little intimidating because it was cooking for chefs. It was like, oh, okay, this is where the big kids are. I feel like that every day because like we, we sell to marketing people. Oh, yeah. And so if there's a typo, oh, if no. there's something off, like people love to take a screenshot and send that to me because it's like, oh, you're going to show me how to do my job, buddy? Well, check this out. Well, you can't I even spell. I, I think I say this a lot. So, I mean, I've made a career of marketing, marketing technology to marketers. Yeah. That's what I've done for most of my adult life. And I do think like you do have to work a lot harder. I think marketers like marketing and they check it out and they're interested in it, but they also scrutinize it. Which I, I, I love it though for that reason because I actually feel like I think one of the, so I've, I've had a similar only done marketing. Oh, I started off in PR just because I needed a job. And why everyone starts out. I was, they said I'll pay $10 an hour to come be here and great. So I did that. And then, but then since then, I've only done marketing to marketers just by coincidence, Constant Contact, HubSpot, and, and Drift. And what I've realized that I love is like, if you know it, it makes it makes the hard part of marketing much easier, which oh. is like, 
I would be terrible at my job if I was like the if I was doing marketing at a cybersecurity company or I, storage or something. I like tried it. I was really bad at it. So I was bad at it, but I don't like. I mean, to some extent, I, I think I was lazy. Like I was like, I don't know this person. I'm I'm not sure I care to know this person. It is easier when the persona that you you're marketing to is is you. I also think the nice thing about it is, like I said, right, like. You can get away with a lot less when you're marketing to marketers. Like you have to be creative, you have to be witty, you have to be clever, you have to like you have to be all these things. And I actually think it makes the the challenge of marketing to some extent even harder. So I think, you know, if I were marketing to a different persona, the challenge would be elsewhere. I'd have to get to know that buyer and that would be really hard and there would be other things that would be difficult. But marketing to marketers really forces like the discipline around is this the best thing I could do? Like yeah. am I being lazy here? Is it funny? Is it interesting? Is it engaging? And Somebody's going to call me out. Someone's going to call you. Would out. I, I like I think in most industries this wouldn't work, but the thing that I think and obviously the advice is like do what your customer, you know, listen to your customers, talk to your customers. But a lot of times I just like, I'm like, would I click on this? Oh, totally. totally. Would I read this? Oh, I, I sent an email yesterday to my team and I was like, worst subject line ever. <laughs> and then two people were like, I think it's hysterical. And I'm just like, oh God, all right, well, it's, yeah. you know, it's which, which, might, which might not always be the right thing because I think I might be biased in a different oh, way. Oh, 100%. You, so, and that's the thing too, you have to remember like your own value system and opinions and it is somewhat subjective like you can't objectively say like well that's good marketing totally but i do think like one thing i like about marketing to marketers is that i do think it allows you to be a bit more creative than you could be with some other you know cohorts and i love that part of it because for as left-brained as i am i really like the i like the arts and crafts part of marketing a lot yeah like i could never do i could never go to i could never be at a different place and and do something like i post this linkedin video which is like i'm gonna do 30 sales demos in 30 days oh, I saw that. i'm gonna actually sell see i started as a bdr i would never do that well now <laughs> people somebody commented on this linkedin post the other day and they're like i didn't get a demo from you and I'm like, I did 30 and my month is over. Like, what do you want me to do? I met my quota. Back to my regular job. <laughs> but like, I could do stuff like that because I, I don't need to prep. Like, I'm just going to talk to you about how I think yeah, that sure. we can help you. Yeah, sure. All right, so you go to Eloqua. Hmm. Did it feel like, where was Eloqua, by the way? Eloqua was also a Toronto-based business. I have made a career out of just commuting. You live, in, you live in this area and then in Boston where we are locally and then you just go to yeah. Canada for work. Yeah, Toronto's <laughs> a really nice second Toronto home. Toronto is yeah, amazing. It's a great city. Toronto's it's amazing. easy to get to. Toronto, so Eloqua was founded in Toronto. They were headquartered here in the U.S. but in Vienna, Virginia when they originally, you know, ha incorporated here. Was Brian, like were Brian Carden and, and like people I know, Chernoff, Brian Carden, Chernoff, they were people. in Toronto? Or no, they, they were in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh. So we had what we like to refer to as the Marketing Center of Excellence. <laughs> was um, in Kendall Square. Love so it. the marketing team was... We had a good group there. Oh, we had a, we had a killer group. It was a really, really good group. It was... Brian used to refer to it as the golden age of marketing. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So it was... No, it was good. And I, I was this really... This is where we cut to the footage of Brian and Joe on this. But, but we had Brian on this. I know. I and that. it was like a thousand degrees that day. And this is when Gonzalo... We, we, we were originally going to do this like coffee with the CMO. It's at a coffee shop. It was like 200 degrees out, and, and he's carrying all the gear, just pouring sweat. And we were like, you know what? Nice. For, for Brian's, we're going to do it. We're going to do it in person. That's nice. He's ha has he had the note card in his pocket since then? Oh, he no, no. He doesn't go without the note card. I the love note that. card is always there. He has an index card in his front pocket. Always. I love that. Always. I have a little pocket. Oh, he's he is among the most interesting. He's like the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. Like, like it's, wait, it's real subtle. You would never know, but he no. really is. Do you know he's like an unbelievable tennis player? 
I didn't. I thought you were gonna say like he 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 to me feels like a jazz musician. Yeah, he's also that. He's an incredible saxophone player. I've been to parties at his house and they're like jamming all these like dudes like these older guys. What do I have to do to get an invite to Brian Cardin? Oh, you got to get in tight. I feel like it's like great wine. Someone's on piano. It's real good. It's real. It's exact. It's it's all those things. All right. So you had this crew. You had this crew here in in Boston, Cambridge area. Yep. Was it hard being? Was it hard being like a? Did you feel like you were a remote team and everybody was in Toronto? Like you had the CMO. No, no, Eloqua did this really well. So actually, they were very distributed. You had uh, the CEO and CFO were in Vienna, Virginia. The CMO was here in Cambridge. Our chief revenue officer was in Austin, Texas. Like, so it was it was real distributed. There was an office in San Francisco, and Eloqua really built a discipline around how do you have remote teams and make them really feel like part of the company. It was one of the tightest and sort of best cultures I've ever been a part of, and. And it was totally remote. So they did something. I don't know what it was. I've, I've tried to put my finger on it. I mean, it had a lot to do with bringing people together very regularly. Doing, I mean, before people used Zoom, they did everything on video. I mean, every meeting was on video. You were always looking at people. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a, a good discipline there. But their philosophy, I think, was like hire great people no matter where they are. We did, part of our marketing team was in Toronto. So that, you know, it's got the normal challenges. But right now I manage a team of marketers that all sit in Toronto when I'm here in yeah. the Northeast. So it's it's totally doable. All right, so tell me more about, tell me about, tell me what you're doing today. I want to know, like, how many people are on your team? How do you have it structured? And, and especially you said, coming from you, demand gen. Oh, yeah. Background. You're yeah. doing away with the, the concept of yeah. demand Yeah. So, like, there's this weird thing that ha- I think happens on a lot, in, like, a lot of demand gen, or, you know, in a demand gen group, or sometimes you have, like, this demand gen function and, like, a marketing ops function, and then you have, like, content people over here, and they're not, like, part of the same team. And it's just, like, it's always been problematic for me because I think at least content, that type of content, sort of top of funnel, mid funnel content, is all about demand gen. So I sort of like broke that association and I actually made this kind of integrated or like revenue marketing or growth marketing function or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's marketing programs. It's the orchestration of demand, which I actually think demand gen today is is mostly orchestration. Like that's what it is, right? It's like trafficking and, and you know, asset creation and all that stuff. Yeah. And I bundled that up with content. So it's really concerned with the themes and the offers and the campaigns and the channels, and it's all in one group. But I don't have like a head of demand gen running it. What I actually did was I took my really great head of demand gen, who probably knows our product better than anybody else, and made him our head of product marketing, which was a weird, everyone thought that was like kind of a weird move. And I'm like, but but why? He's already an evangelist. He knows our product really well. He knows where all the gaps are. So he's the best person for this job. I love that mindset because I think it's easy to get caught up in like, this person is doing this, and so they have to go deep in this, where it's like, wait a second, if we move this person here, you know, why? it just seems crazy. You have somebody who knows the product the best, but you're gonna hire somebody who's gonna do product marketing who isn't that Well, this was exactly, I mean, this kept me up at night. I was like, so we we had this big gap in product marketing that we needed to fill, and the more I thought about it, I was like, well, what's really important for product marketing? Knowledge of the product. And it's like, so how are you gonna hire someone from outside who has no knowledge of the product to be really good at product marketing? It'll take them a long time to ramp. I think like I think in product marketing, like if you if you're passionate about it, and my guess is knowing this person probably is super passionate about it. Because you can't love a B2B product, right? Like unless you gotta you really, be a big nerd. You gotta be a big nerd. Oh yeah. 
And it, it also helps that he's Canadian. Perfect. So very earnest. That's a trifecta. Yeah. All, oh, all the right ingredients. He's getting it done. Yep. And then you can you can teach or learn the other ten percent, which oh. is like what is product marketing, right? Like because I bet you you could take somebody. This is why this is one of my biggest frustrations with marketers is like I think sometimes we get so caught up in like the what the textbook best practice says, which is like I would rather give a product. I would rather take your person and say, write a position, write positioning for this product with no framework, with no yep. magic document, then have somebody who knows like the positioning template yep. and fill that out. I bet you that one's gonna be better. So it's funny that you say that. Like I think about this a lot. Like over so in my experience over the past four years, so this is my first this is my first job where I got to run marketing. And like, you know, I was a demand gen marketer. I had not run all of marketing before, but I had done, like you, I had touched other parts of marketing. I had worked on the PR and comm side. I worked in product marketing. So I had fairly broad knowledge. And you, it's so easy to kind of let like history and best practice guide you and just like, I'm going to do the thing that everybody does. And then, but like, if you're honest with yourself and you really think about how to solve problems, often it points to different types of solutions. And so I've been, I'm really lucky to work in an organization with a CEO who's real like supportive and completely He's just a sane and normal person. Like, is there's no like ego. He's not like, I said to do it, so you're gonna do it. He's like, you think that's the right thing to do? Let's see if it works. Sure. So I've tried a lot of really unconventional things. Like, so I have a great um, I have a great marketing programs person on my team, and he was a BDR and he had no marketing experience, but he knew our buyer really well. I had seen that he had really good communication skills. I looked at all his emails, he was really funny and witty, and he he wanted to get a career in marketing and like it was a great move for everybody. So it's just like, I don't, I, you know, I, I just don't think those conventional, just because that's the way everyone has done it doesn't mean that's the way everyone should do it. What What is one of your biggest, what's one of your biggest learnings like taking on, now Now you you own all of marketing. What, what do you think, because I think we do this because we want to talk to people who are in, in a similar position who one day want to run marketing, for example, right? What are the, what are the things that are, that you didn't realize? Oh, gosh, so many things. I mean, it was interesting. So obviously the company that I joined is not the company I work for now. I mean, when we joined, when I joined, we were 20 people, maybe. We were very small. We hadn't raised any money. It was super scrappy. So so when you, even when you started, you were probably, you had to do more, you were doing more. And it was actually part of why I took the job. Why I, why I really took the job was because I fell in love with the problem that these guys were trying to solve. And they built something that I, as a marketer, looked at and was like, I've needed that my whole career. Like, why did if someone built this? Thank, thank you, you know? So that was a big part of it. But I also, like, I felt as a director of Demand Gen, I was the senior director of Demand Gen at, at Lattice, I was building teams and I was like, I, I knew that discipline really well and I knew how to do it. But I felt like I was just like managing people mostly. And I wanted, I felt like my skills were starting to atrophy. At least I thought that. And I was like, I wanna like do the work. I wanna roll up my yeah. sleeves and like build some stuff. Yeah. And so I took this job. There was, pretty much no team. There were like a few people and they weren't all full time. And, and so I was like, I'm just going to see what I can do. And oh man, um, my skills had not atrophied. Like I was fine. I like, but I really, I had to do the work. Like I had to do like all, like all the heavy lifting. Like, I, I wrote, I wrote something about this, this, uh, this week. I mean, who knows when this is going to go live. So this week is irrelevant, but like, and I, and I said, I used to get probably like five, six years ago, I would go and ask a lot of people like, like you for marketing advice. I would say, Look, you know, you're 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 on the path to run marketing somewhere. Like, what you know, what do you do? Like, you know, what what advice would you give me? And everybody gave me this advice, which I realize now I completely disagree with, and is not did not help me at all. Okay. Which is like specialize in something, 
pick that one thing and specialize. And what I've had to do is like, instead I said, I'm going to join a company where I'm betting on the people and the problem. So the founders and the, and the market, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to do all of it. Yeah. And so as Get a result, kind of good at a bunch of things. Had to do, you know, PR, events, SEO, blog, webinars, all I had I had the BDR team reporting into me for several months and this year. And had you year. ever managed BDRs in your Never life? Never in my Never. life. And like, you know, I'd been close to it and I had a point of view about it. And I, you know, it was at a point in time in the in the company's history that it was the right thing to do and it just needed to be done and, and I needed to manage it and I did. But I had no idea how to do that. And and but that's what makes it fun. I mean, in a in a in a company like this that's growing so fast, we're a growth stage company, we've now raised two rounds of funding. I mean, we're just a you know, Deloitte Fast 50 in, in Canada. So we're, we're growing real fast. We're now well over 100 people. My job has not been the same. I mean, every year I've been there, it's been totally different. It's like remarkable to look back on and go, wow, that's the same company. So you have to, I mean, while in, in that those first, you know, that first year or two was like all the building and the, in the which I love. I love building demand infrastructure and process. And like, I'm a process person. I love that stuff. I love, you know, I, I love figuring out how we're going to measure things and but you know now it's 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 much more about building teams, managing people, figuring out how to like work on a management team and have that be my number one thing. I mean, you have to start to get used to like, oh, those things that made you good at your job before are not the things that are going to make you good at your job now, and you have to get comfortable with that. So that's. I think that's what hard. you said is really important, which is like that mindset of just like always reinventing yourself. Like every year is going to be different and you got to figure out what are the things that you're going to go work on this year. But it's much easier, I will say, when you're on a winning team. I mean, you know, to be on a to be on a team with great people where the company is growing fast is when, like that's what enables that kind of growth because you're forced to constantly like level up and, you know, you don't really find get that. some if new part of your brain. If the team isn't winning, you don't get the opportunities to like you don't. experiment, you don't. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I want to I do something else with you before before you go. But I'm interested in what are your what are your rituals as a remote marketing leader? Like, what how do you how do you keep the ship running without missing without you know being on the like Hey, can I grab you for a second? You're gonna be so unimpressed with this. No, it's, maybe there's nothing and it's, it's great. So okay, one thing that I am, you just have cameras in every room of your house. No, always it's on. no, it's so crazy. So one thing that I am like obsessed with is like the appropriate use of time. My time, my team's time, like I, 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 there's nothing drives me more crazy than like sitting in a meeting that I'm just like, why am I here? Why is this meeting happening? Like not even, like even if I'm the one who, 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 you know, thought we should have that meeting, like I'm just like, oh, this is a waste of time. So, and my team will laugh when they see this, but like at least every six months, I completely like burn down the meeting schedule and I start over. I'm I like, just did this. I'm, I gotta think it, I gotta rethink it and there's a better way to do it. The and past two weeks has been the best has been the most free I felt in a long time because I can't. I, re, I just re, hard reset. Yeah, you gotta do it sometimes. And because you're in all, you're getting all these things that don't have a purpose or a need. Yep. Or, or they did at one point and they don't now. Sure. And so I mean, as my team has changed, I've had to really rethink like right. what, how do we spend so time? So Elle together? has her That's, burned. Like I'm just just destroying the calendar phase. I do torched. it. I do it a lot. Okay. Like I do it pretty pretty regularly. That's one thing. I almost never. Um, have a communication. If it's going to be longer than like a couple sentences, it's happening on video. Like we're looking at each other. I had to have a conversation with someone yesterday about a, a holiday card. And I knew it was like going to be a little bit more than I could convey over Slack. And I was like, you got a second? Let's just like hop on Zoom. So we do that. 
we do on my team, our marketing like Slack channel is we we make ample use of that thing. I mean, often for ridiculous reasons. We make reason. ample use of our Slack oh, channel. Oh, I, I can. <laughs> we do too. I mean, it's it's, but it, that makes me. It helps me to feel really connected to what's going on, even when I'm not there. You also have to be there. I, I spend a lot of time with my team. I go. I try to go at least once a month. I go to a lot of events, and a lot of people on my team go to events. So we rendezvous in various locations, and so we have the discipline to do that stuff. Those are the big things. I mean, it's all about communication and just like. You know, you get to stay on top of it. That's and it. probably setting. How do you set? How do you set goals? Like, my guess is this system doesn't work if people don't have clear oh, like goals. So they have to be super clear. So, I, one one th thing I will say, I think about, especially being a remote manager. Like, I started out as a remote head of marketing, and I knew early on, like, the only way for that to work is if the people I hired were senior enough. Like, I couldn't have people on the ground in Toronto who were, like, looking for help all the time. They had to be fairly autonomous, and so I hired a sort of a layer of management that was, you know, working their way up to being senior and were, you know, could, could you know, operate without a ton of oversight. That's an important thing. We take goal setting pretty seriously. It's a company-wide quarterly initiative that's starts with company goals and rolls down. I try to stick to like three goals, but I try to make it very, very clear how they sort of map to each of the What are your three goals for net right now? So we have a goal around SEO and be findability, getting found. SEO hasn't been a huge, we're in sort of a niche category, an emerging category. How, how do you pick that like, out of the 20 things you could, because you picked that as a goal, it becomes a priority? Because the time was right right now. I mean, again, like we have, if you like, so for a company our size and our stage, we have incredibly mature demand, infrastructure, and process. Like, I'm not worried about that. I know how to. Because you love infrastructure I, I, and process. I know how to. I know how to yeah. do that part. So like, it, so like, it's almost table stakes to say, well, we're gonna have an SQO goal, like, and we're gonna know how to build a really crazy model to figure out what that should look like, and we're gonna do all this stuff, like. That's almost so. Then you have to look in the margins of like, well, what's going to help us grow? It's all about growth. Who does right? that? Who does the model on your team? I have a revenue ops person, and so he does the model. Yep, he owns that model, and we've added a ton of like interesting and fun and sophisticated things to make that model like more bulletproof over the past you know several quarters. But SEO was a thing where you start to go. We were this kind of niche category. It's starting to become a thing. People are like looking for something like us, even if they're not sure what to call it. We need to be there when they're looking. And we hadn't done a good job of investing in those kind of adjacent spaces, so I, I made it a priority. And how do you how do you set what is it like how do you set a goal around SEO? Is it traffic? It's like we we carved out a couple of keywords that we thought were really important and we want to increase our organic search ranking. And and not by a certain amount, just increase, make it better. Because then you can start to go, okay, so if this now we've got a benchmark. Oh, so, you, so you don't say this term is on is on the bottom of page one and we want to get to page, we want to get to position two. No, that's two. what we'll do next. Okay. Today it's just create the content, build the process, build the discipline and the muscle memory around this is an important thing that we need to do so that we start to, it starts to get built into our DNA. So wins are people are high-fiving because all of a sudden this page now ranks it's for better. blank. It's better. And yeah. now I can say, yeah. okay, now we got to make it better by an order of magnitude. Which is also a different skill set and person that has to work on that. Of or course. you can teach it, but that's uh, optimizing. Like, how do you get from position eight to position two? And Yes, yeah. absolutely. And we always have a demand-centric goal and that demand goal is always tied to a conversion goal because I'll never sign up for a demand goal that's just like I could you know pump all kinds of crap in there that's sure. that's one all right so SEO is yep. one what are the other two so the other one is like kind of content specific so, so you have like but you have like your, your revenue pipeline are kind of like you don't count those as goals because that's just 
Those are company wide goals. It's just life. Yep, that's that's life. You have three kind of marketing priorities. And, and the, those 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 company goals are goals for everyone in the company. Like everyone shares those goals. They're departmental goals that my team has. So one is around demand gen, one is around SEO this quarter, and the other one is actually around persona level content. Because we got really good at marketing to demand gen marketers, that tends to be our buyer, but we tend to focus primarily on them. And really, there's a lot of other buyers involved in our deal cycles. So we set a goal of ha- creating, you know, three new unique pieces of content per each additional persona that we see in our buying cycles and yeah. and so it's a I mean it's it's a quantitative goal it's sure. a number of but, things but, but it's, it's also a little soft like it's kind of up to us what that is what that means or like I mean we, we do stuff like that which is like we need more enterprise e case studies yeah well let's have five yep great there you go okay I know I said we were gonna go but one more thing we didn't talk about okay you told me you were shifting to focus more on brand yeah why? What does that mean? Oh, here's where I get to give you a compliment. No, no, um, no. No, no, I, I, but but I do. To, I do. I, I love compliments. So I, I heard you talk about it. So we both spoke at Flip My Funnel this past summer, and you did this whole thing on basically like brand driving demand. And I think that's true. I think that, you know, well, first of all, like people have to know who you are, but they have to like you. You have to, it has to be a brand that you, you care about, that you relate to, that, you know, you find interesting. Now, it's really hard in MarTech, right? Because there's a bajillion, you know, different brands and it's hard to tell one from the other. And yeah. We interviewed somebody the other day and it was one of those, in a good way, demand gen ops people where he came in and, and he had his laptop open in the interview and he had, the front of his laptop was every MarTech vendor you could imagine. The whole thing, stickers. the whole landscape. Basically the landscape. I was like, this is this is why you need a brand because this person is just going to like whoever is giving out swag and put on well, the computer. And, and it's funny you say that because I think like I've struggled to know what that means. Like what does that mean to have a brand? And I guess it came into clear focus over the past several months where I was like, you know, we rebranded in May. And that allowed us to sort of like fine tune how we talked about ourselves and what's our message and all that stuff. But like, it still wasn't really clear when you looked at us, like what our point of view was. Like, what do we really, like your whole thing is about now and right? And like, you know, marketing's happening right now and your buyer wants it right now. And it's really clear what your point of view is. And I felt like we were soft on that. And so we've spent the past couple months getting really sharp on Mm. that. And now it's like, well, how do you amplify that and elevate it? And I think that's what you said is I didn't expect you to answer it that way. But to me, that's the no, most important piece is like, I think you just have to pick a side. Yeah. Even if even if there's another side that is like just as effective, you just need to stand for something because if you there's just too much noise to not stand for anything anymore. Where like, I think it was different 2005, 2006. You could just have something and people are like, ooh, cool. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You have to have a reason. And I think, you know, that was our our problem was that we kind of stood for a lot of things. We like we like this and we like that and whatever. And it's like, it's not enough. And so, you know, our whole point of view today is that, you know, buyers live in this on-demand world and they expect the same kind of experiences in their B2B lives that they have in their B2C lives. And the way that B2B marketing works is just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for them. It's not really personalized or curated or, or easy to access. It doesn't surface the information they want when they want it. And so B2B marketing needs to be on demand. And so once we kind of, once that started to like form as a point of view, it became really easy to see like the path to like, how do you build a big brand around this? So I'm excited to do that. It's, it's been fun. Just buy a lot of stickers. I'm going to buy all the stickers <laughs> and t-shirts no. and hats. That, that was old school. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. It's nice to hear a demand gen person like yourself starting to think about the softer side. Isn't no, it? I'm yeah. just kidding. I think I think I think it's important. I think like today you gotta you gotta have all all pieces of it. And I wanted to interview you on this because I think you have a lot of interesting ingredients, like your background from Eloqua, uh, and 
running a marketing team being being remote and having a successful team and a good time doing it. Oh, so. you can ask them how successful. Thanks it for is. doing it. No, we well, <laughs> this is this is part, all these segments. We do you, and then we do the team. So we have them all coming on Zoom after this to tell us how you really are. They would say. They, just met. they like me. They would say. All right, thanks for doing Thank it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of The Swipe File. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. And so because it's fun for me, I hope it's fun for you. And it would mean the world if you could leave a review. Reviews really help. Uh, And so go leave a review. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Let me know what you liked about the show, didn't like, want to hear more of. And also, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you go subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The show is everywhere that you get your podcast, probably where you're listening right now. But if you want more content like this, if you want to go a layer deeper, join me on Drift Insider. It's drift.com slash insider. We're teaching courses, we're sharing videos, and we have exclusive content for people just like you in marketing that we do not share publicly. So go and check it out, drift.com slash insider.